You're listening to Mortification of Spin, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. We continue only with your help. Visit mortificationofspin.org to make a donation or call 1-800-488-1888. That's 800-488-1888. Well, it's a very exciting day uh, today at Mortification of Spin. It's actually our annual meeting. Uh, There are only two members eligible to vote. That's myself and Todd Pruitt. Only one item on the agenda, and that is we're going to try, if we can, to bring Amy Bird in as officially one of the guys. Mm -hmm. But because we're Presbyterians, we have to do this decently in order. So first of all, I will declare the, the meeting a quorum. There are two of us here. Uh, I'm in the chair, uh, and now I'm looking for a motion, and I think the way to get at this, uh, Todd, you know the the first motion we have to bring? Yes. Yes, I would uh, like to move that uh, Amy Bird be declared officially a man. Okay, we don't need a second because there are only two of us here and I'm in the chair. Uh, Open for discussion. No. Are you ready to vote? Uh, We'll call for a voice vote. I didn't hear that. Oh, I I thought you were going to say all those in favor. (laughs) All those in favor. Aye. Do we need to call the roll to establish that? No, I'd like to see hands. Okay. uh, Well, all those against. (laughs) Okay. No. Any abstentions? Call. Any abstentions? Okay. I now declare Amy Bird officially elected a man. Uh, Next motion, Todd. I'd like to move that uh, Amy Bird be officially accepted as one of the guys. Any discussion? Are you ready to vote? All those in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed nay. I now declare Amy Bird officially one of the guys. Both motions carry. Welcome, Amy. You're now officially one of the guys. Our votes normally don't go that well. (laughs) They don't. Uh, I was surprised that that, that you didn't uh, fall out with yourself and register some kind of negative vote. Well, every once in a while there is a problem. I would say, Carl, I think your professionalism in handling this meeting uh, was done very well. Uh, last time you unfortunately used some profanities, um, and this time you cleaned it up, and uh, I thought kept it was much it, better. Kept it clean. It is a family show, yes, after yes. all. I will say I'm a bit sexually confused now, though, guys. And I'm sorry, I didn't grant you so the privilege of the floor there. Yeah, I'm sorry, Carl. That we may have to revote. She just spoke up, and <laughs> okay. I don't know if we granted her the privilege of speaking up. <laughs> anyway, I'm now uh, a motion to adjourn. <laughs> Carl, I would like to move that we adjourn. Any discussion? All those in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? I now officially declare the meeting adjourned. Let us get on with the, the, Can I uh, speak the show. Now? Oh, it feels you, so good being a Presbyterian. You may, you may speak now, Amy. Today, we're going to be talking about Easter. Very Presbyterian topic, of course. Uh, Todd, any Easter bunnies at your church? Well, you know, I find people to be very, very naive when it comes to some of our holidays. Um, For instance, we have people who believe in the Easter bunny, which is very, very sad because what they have not realized is that there is no Easter bunny, that it's actually Santa Claus coming back at Easter to hide the eggs. And and we have people that really do believe in the Easter bunny. It's it's sad. You need, sad. you need to talk to Karen about that. How I'm long have you been that. married? We've been married for 23 years. Well, I was years. thinking yeah. that maybe um, the Alliance could scrap in a few bucks from us and pitch in to get Todd a Janimal. Have you seen these? <laughs> I've not seen Janimals. A bunny Janimal. Janimal. Yeah, there's a commercial now. My kids are like, we want Janimals. They're 
footy pajamas, kind Ooh. of looking like um, Ralphie from the Christmas Story. Oh, God the, loves footy pajamas. And then pajamas. they fold up into a stuffed animal, so oh. you could you could get the bunny Janimal. Man, do they have husky size? <laughs> Can I talk? It's for all ages and all sizes. <laughs> Outstanding. I, you're not wearing a Janimal now. <laughs> could explain <laughs> something. <laughs> In fact, I never my go high anywhere school daughter my is getting Nothing her gets between me and my Janimals. A Janimal for oh, her birthday. Yeah. Fantastic. I, lo- I love living in America. <laughs> it's, it's like Disney World for adults. It's just <laughs> fantastic. But I'm going to tell you something. This, this is the measure of a good wife. My wife, every year, buys me at Easter a Russell Stover chocolate Easter bunny. And it's dandy. And and she gets me she gets me a bag every year a bag of uh, the little Cadbury solid chocolate. That's what I candy coated. I've already bought eggs. my first oh, bag. They're this so week. good. Walked past the bag for two yep. whole weeks, yep. and then I had to cave and, and buy them. Yeah, it's really good. I think Carl. I think Carl now. Your wife just whips up a fresh batch of haggis. Is that right? She's or a any, big any, haggis person. Yeah, anything stuffed with entrails. Yeah. Do you know that? We can't get haggis in the United States because, according to the original recipe, which contains lung matter, <laughs> haggis is unfit for human consumption. We have to order it from this place in Florida where they switch the lung matter for chopped liver. And it's, it's almost as disgusting as the real thing, but not quite. Lung matter. Uh, deprived. That's horrific. Yeah. Anyway, to bring us, to bring us <laughs> back, back on track. Carl, actually, I have a question for you now for Easter. That's, that's a legitimate question. It sounds yeah. a little silly, but I actually am asked about this a lot. So you're the church historian. I, I always say there's no such thing as silly questions, only silly answers. So, but in your case, <laughs> I will make an exception. Well, I had a professor once who said there's no such thing as stupid questions, just stupid people. Yeah. And so <laughs> He was your professor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, professor. I see where he's coming yeah, from. Yeah. <laughs> but I actually am asked about this, and you're the historian. Is yeah. Easter a pagan holiday? Um, depends what you mean by pagan, I suppose. Uh, I mean, Easter has been a long-standing part of the church liturgical calendar. Its date was fixed in the 4th century uh, as a way of celebrating Christ's death and resurrection on an annual basis in a way that separated it out from Passover. So the history of Easter on one level is also the history of the separation of the church from the synagogue. That's a significant part of it. Coming at it from my, with my Puritan hat on, I would say, well, of course it's a pagan festival. It's not actually mentioned in, in the Bible as something that the church is meant to observe. Speaking personally, I enjoy the odd pagan festival. I enjoy Christmas. I, I wish people would keep religion out of Christmas. I, I, I love getting together with the family. Um, Easter's always great, uh, getting the odd Easter egg or bunny in your case. Sure. So I don't have any problem with with Christians celebrating Christmas and Easter as pagan festivals. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nor do I have any problem with the church uh, preaching special sermons on, Mm -hmm. you know, on the Sunday near Christmas, it seems to make sense to me to preach on the nativity Mm -hmm. Uh, or the Sunday, you know, Easter Sunday. You may just get a few people coming in expecting you to hear some, expecting to hear something on the resurrection. So I don't have any problem with, the church accommodating its, you know, its the rhythm of its messages mm-hmm. to the rhythm of the wider culture, if I could put it that way, mm-hmm. in those terms. But I would hesitate to say that Easter is a is a Christian festival because it's not required in Scripture. No, I wouldn't hesitate. I would say it isn't a Christian festival yeah. because it's not required in Scripture. Right. So, is a church 
sinning to observe Easter and or Christmas? I think it's a matter in, uh, indifferent. I would say that's a matter for the, the session, the leadership of the local church. If they choose to do it, then that's absolutely fine. I have no objection to people meeting together more often to hear the word right. preached right. Uh, and to have Christian fellowship. What I would say, though, is that if a church chooses not to do that, it is right. not sinning. Right. Right. We don't have a, unless Christmas Eve falls on a, a Sunday or Christmas Day falls on a Sunday, we don't have a special Christmas Eve or Christmas Day service mm-hmm. uh, at my church. We would not cancel Lord's work, the day right. worship in the morning if Christmas fell right. on a Sunday, as some churches do. That's yep. sort of flip side yep. of that. But no, I don't think a church that, that celebrates these things is, is necessarily sinning in any way i i have no objection to to the word being preached a bit more often and people gathering for for worship and fellowship i just wouldn't want to make it a a law right but you wouldn't want todd getting up in his janimal preaching as the easter bunny <laughs> hey don't knock it until you see i've it. seen todd in my own pulpit <laughs> and i have to say that the janimal might well be preferable uh, he was the first man to preach from my pulpit with no tie and an untucked shirt, and my session clerk, the distinguished Richard Gaffin, Jr., a couple of weeks later, (laughs) something was going on. I made some comment about dress sense in the pulpit, and he turned to me and said, well, it was your friend Pruitt who set the bar so low on this one. I do feel sorry for Sunday school teachers on Easter morning, though, since all the children pretty much had a chocolate bunny and some jelly beans for and the, pa- and the pastor has as well. <laughs> yeah. you know, I so confiscate them at my church as a kid, so that's pagan. Give them here. <laughs> Give them here. I, will, I will dispose of them in an appropriate manner. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, obviously in our discussion about Easter, uh, one of the things that we, I, I think, sometimes miss in our emphasis to, to be sure and preach the resurrection um, at the same time of year, every year, at least my experience growing up is that then the rest of the year, oftentimes you hear little about the resurrection. And one of the, the beauties of the Christian Sabbath, the Lord's Day, being on Sunday, is it's to be that weekly reminder that we are, a, if I can use the phrase, we are an Easter faith. We are a mm-hmm. faith built upon the resurrection. And certainly as evangelicals, uh, the three of us here, Reformed, Presbyterian, um, we want to carefully champion uh, the doctrine of the atonement. It gets tinkered with a lot, and so we emphasize the cross a lot, which is really appropriate. Um, but I wonder sometimes if we, in our appropriate zeal to champion the cross, we oftentimes end up neglecting uh, the resurrection. Mm-hmm. Um, what, Amy, Carl, do you identify with that at all? Has that been your experience at all? Yeah. Have either of you read this book, um, The Ongoing Feast by Arthur Just no. Jr.? No. I loved this book. As you can see, I got lots of little tabbies yeah. in it. And um, he is going through the book of Luke and talking about how the Emmaus meal is the, the pinnacle of mm-hmm. the gospel of Luke. And it really has me thinking about that during this whole, um, all the talk about Lent right now mm-hmm. and um, what we're sacrificing because... I, right now, I'm really thinking about that eschatological feast that Mm -hmm. we're going to have. And so I think when we're preaching resurrection, that's something that I really look forward to. And he talks about that meal being an 
um, proleptic meal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And one thing he said that I want to share that I think is so interesting is um, in Luke twenty four thirty one, right after Jesus breaks the bread, um, it says their eyes were open. The two disciples on the road to Emmaus, you know, they couldn't recognize Christ before them. And he compares that with Genesis 3, 7, where the same phrase is used describing how their eyes were opened, how Adam and Eve's eyes were were opened as the first expression of fallen creation that now sees the image of God clouded by disobedience, whereas the Emmaus disciples is the first expression of the new creation that now sees the image restored in the new Adam, crucified and risen Christ. Mm, that's good. Yeah, and so I, I really... I love the emphasis that he gives on on feasting yeah. and this whole every time we come together in the Lord's Supper and have our love feasts, yeah. that it's really a proleptic meal that we're having. I'm going to ban that book. <laughs> <laughs> I can Don't see the fire in your eyes at this <laughs> minute. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. But that, I think, bring, you know, points in another direction. We, we're at a season of the year now when there's all this annual hoo-ha about Lent. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a Lent person. I, I, and I, I am suspicious of the reasons why it suddenly popped up in evangelical culture. But the thing that really bugs me is we got all of this passionate, trendy evangelical discussion about Lent at the same time as, as the Lord's Day yeah. and observance of the Lord's Day is vanishing mm-hmm. in American culture. Mm-hmm. And, and not, I'm not saying American culture, but American church culture. Right. Uh, the idea of making the Lord's Day special has disappeared. So we've got all of these people telling us how, you know, you need to do Lent because it's so, I mean, they might use this word, but what they really mean is it's so sort of cool and hip right. and countercultural. Well, I want to tell you the most countercultural thing you can do these days is Start observing the Lord's Day in a relatively right. traditional manner. Be in church morning and evening. Right. Uh, don't you know? spend your day watching the television or kicking a ball around. Mm-hmm. Spend the day with your family. Spend your day having good conversations. Yeah. Uh, spend the day fellowshipping with your brothers and sisters. If you want to talk about Lent, I'll talk to you about Lent after I'm convinced that you have spent enough time reflecting on the importance of the Lord's Day. What mm-hmm. do you think about yeah. that? I think that's wise and once again a call to remember what God's appointed means of grace are. Mm. And if you're neglecting his clearly identified appointed means of grace that are clearly identified in the scripture, uh, but you're quick to rush on to the latest uh, spiritual practice, then I'm then I'm suspicious of that. And, and I'm more than suspicious, I'm sad for that. Sad that you would um, neglect what God has given us as an ordinary means of grace in favor of something that's a little sexier. Mm. It's always amused me these campaigns to have the uh, the Ten Commandments displayed in in law courts in the United States because most Christians I know ignore at least two of them: uh, Second Commandment and the Sabbath. Yeah. So why don't we? Why aren't they campaigning for? Eight commandments uh, <laughs> to be displayed in, in, in the law courts. Oh, uh, good question. And you have other churches campaigning for like the 15 commandments. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm, what I'm going to give up for Lent is um, telling people what I'm giving up for Lent. That's my big <laughs> that sacrifice. Is, yeah. Then let's tell people on Facebook the same thing. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm going to broadcast that on Facebook. Um, no, but it is an interesting phenomenon that I've, I've really only noticed in recent years. And I, and I think it is, it's, it's, um, it's once again uh, emblematic of evangelicals' fascination with um, the next thing. And, and Lent, of course, is, there's nothing new about Lent, but for evangelicals it is. Mm. 
And so mm-hmm. we, we latch on uh, to that. It's part of the eclectic consumerist approach to the church on season evangelicalism. You know, this is why I think ecclesiology is important, because it gives you a place to stand. If you're an Anglican, then Lent is part of your tradition. And it makes a kind of sense to me to observe Lent if you're an Anglican. Mm-hmm. Not saying I agree with it, but it makes a certain sense within the, the community or the culture within which you're operating. Well, and, and the emphasis that they place on the liturgical calendar. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But what you've got in broad evangelicalism is, you know, hey, this bit's cool, that bit's right. cool. Mm-hmm. Let's bung it all together. Come up with some church practice, which is ultimately, in terms of the whole picture, utterly unprecedented in 2,000 years of the Christian church. And then we'll declare that if you're not following us you're not actually on board with the the Christian program. Well, and this whole idea of um, inviting the presence of God or doing something to to be closer to God and then not really taking God's word as something that you're going to submit yourself to and follow. That's what I'm saying on Facebook. I'm seeing so many people that I know do not value God's word advertising what they're giving up for Lent mm. and it's you know things like carbonation or <laughs> chocolate or um, giving into my insecurities for 40 days right. letting something stop me from following my dream you yeah. but you've been reading reading my emails <laughs> <laughs> and actually, you know that's fascinating that, that's been part of the thing that has really caught my attention is is the joining of the therapeutic with this yes. idea of yeah. Lent. And I've yeah. noticed that over and over again. I'm, I'm giving up my bad self-esteem for mm-hmm. Lent. I'm, you know, th- that, that kind of thing. And, and it's just, a, it, it's, it's a perfectly predictable American evangelical adaptation. The 40-day diet practice. plan. 40 days mm-hmm. to a new you. Yeah. 40 days to a wonderful life. Right. I'll get rid of my, all my toxins for the next Ex- 40 days. Yeah. Exactly. I love toxins. I'm, I'm not <laughs> toxins. The best stuff I eat and drink is toxins. After, after it snowed, I told Matt, I'm yeah. like, I don't know if we have enough food in the house for this next snow we might be getting. He's like, well, let's do a grocery run and get some uh, gluten and nitrates, and we should yeah. be good. <laughs> I say to friends, giving up drinking, it doesn't make you live longer. It simply makes you feel as if you're living yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why, I mean, we always get uh, extra nitrate hot dogs and extra high-gluten buns um, yeah. at the Prude household. But, I mean, what is this thing about nutritional value? Uh, What's that? It's hogwash. It's a government conspiracy to try to take away our freedom. Turn us all into communists. Yeah, Absolutely. I knew that was coming. I mean, is, not that you're a conspiracy and, and it's there to turn women into combat soldiers. That's well, we turned one into a man too. a few minutes ago, yeah. by the way. We're, we're part of this conspiracy. That's true, but church government spoke, and uh, that, that's the way it is. Um, wow. So we started out with Easter and came full circle into oh. the topic I'm most comfortable with. Um, uh, How so, did that happen? So that's good. Um, but to, uh, to uh, risk uh, obliterating the ridiculous with the sublime here, um, uh, obviously, as Christians, we are uh, a, a resurrection faith. Our hope is that there will be a new creation. Our hope is that what's been tainted and ruined by sin is going to be restored and recreated. And one of the blessings of, again, the the observances that the Lord has given us um, in the regular observance of the Lord's Day, the Christian Sabbath Sunday, is that weekly we are to be reminded of the reality of Jesus' resurrection and its present power for us, and that mm-hmm. our only hope is the resurrection. I find it interesting that Peter's sermon at Pentecost 
um, most of the content that Luke records from that sermon is given over to the resurrection, not to diminish the centrality of the cross, uh, but once again to be reminded that if there is no resurrection, if Christ is not raised, then our preaching is in vain and our faith is in vain. Well, and that points us to what Paul says in Colossians as well, where he uses present tense language about the resurrection of the believer, that you have died and you are resurrected. Mm -hmm. Now, we know that there's a resurrection to come at the end of time, that we will have glorious resurrection bodies, that we still live in a... A veil of tears, a, a place where we will we suffer and we suffer the effects of sin, both in ourselves and from those around us. But there's also a sense in which we are resurrected. And the message of every preacher every Sunday to God's people should be, you have died and you are raised in Christ and therefore you should live this way. Amen. Yeah, I see. Um, back to my Emmaus <laughs> story, which I, is, I think one of my favorite parts of scripture. But, um, you know, when when Jesus opens up the scriptures to these two disciples and shows how they all point to him, uh, when you were just talking, Carl, got me thinking about how that's, that's really the pastor's job is what Christ did in teaching these disciples, um, opening up the scriptures and showing where he is in them, not just in the cross, but in the resurrection as well. Their eyes were opened then Mm -hmm. and they feasted. Yeah, that's powerful, powerful truth. And two, it's too powerful to be restricted to, to once a year. Um, Absolutely. Easter mm-hmm. Sunday is a great day for preaching on the resurrection, but we should be preaching on the resurrection uh, week by week. Absolutely. And I think it also, you know, how do you preach? We've, we've raised this issue before. What about the person in your congregation who is suffering? The single mom who's poor, struggling to bring up mm-hmm. kids, and frankly, life isn't going to get better for her. Yeah. You know, what does Joel Osteen, what does T.D. Jakes, what do they have to say to that person? Right. What does Joyce Meyer have to say to that person? What do, you know, 80% of these reformed chick litters have to say to that person? You know, life's lovely, do some quilting, uh, have some beautiful <laughs> thoughts. No. The times when, when say, you know, life's hard, it's going to get harder, you're going to die, mm-hmm. but... There is a resurrection. Death is not the last word. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how great your life is at the moment. You're going to get weak. You're going to die. Death will not hold you. Death will not have the final word. And I think that's the only message that, that preaches universally because if you start to play on, on your best life now in any form whatsoever, it's ultimately going to ring hollow. Right. Mm-hmm. And is this not what Paul, uh, his, his point in Romans chapter 8 is, uh, Paul, who was very much a fellow sufferer, uh, by the time we get to Romans 8, that's his point is, yep, creation's groaning, we groan also, and we wait. Yeah. We wait for the redemption of the sons of God. Until then, there's groaning. And we know that the, you know, the, this world is but a moment. It's just right. a momentary Not veil of tears worth says. comparing to the glory right. that is to come right. at the end of time. And we impoverish the people in our churches if we seek to give them a quick fix rather than that truth that the apostle Paul gives us in Romans eight, we Mm -hmm. impoverish and we do, we do spiritual violence to them when we promise them something more temporally pleasant than that. And so uh, each week when we step into our churches and fellowship with our brothers and sisters and worship with them and receive the word together with them, um, that is a celebration of Christ raised and the fact that he will raise us as well. Yeah. Well, I think that leads then just to, to a final pastoral application for Amy at this point. 
<laughs> Clearly, having been elected an honorary man and, and then elected one of the guys, <laughs> this is a mountaintop experience yes. for Ooh, you. Yes. Yeah. But not every day will be as exciting no. as this. No. Ordinary Thank life will kick back in. And you yeah. will grow old and the nunchucks <laughs> will one day be, be hung, hung on yeah. the wall and not I mean, to be taken I, down again. I can hardly Im- imagine what what Amy must be feeling at this moment. The wired on adrenaline. <laughs> Ecstasy. Yeah. Wired on adrenaline. But Amy, don't worry. Uh, this day may just be a mountaintop. There are valleys to come, but... <laughs> it, yeah. You'll always be an honorary man to You'll us. You'll always be an honorary man to us. Always be one of the guys. Except which... for, I think I'll be resurrected a woman. So <laughs> yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Anyway, well, thanks uh, to all for joining us on this edition of Mortification of Spin. Uh, we have a giveaway for anyone who wishes to go to our website, uh, mortificationofspin.org, and check us out. Uh, you can find there how to apply for a free set of CDs on the theology of the cross, dealing with the cross and Christian life and Christian experience. We commend that set to you. And we look forward to meeting you next time on Mortification of Spin, a casual conversation about things that count. This has been Mortification of Spin, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. And we'd like to give you a free resource. Visit our website, mortificationofspin.org, to find a link to the download. Mortification of Spin is a production of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Alliance ministries include reformation21.org and events held from Florida to Sacramento. To learn more about the Alliance, visit alliancenet.org or call 800-488-1888. We can only continue to bring you Mortification of Spin with your support. To make a donation, please visit mortificationofspin.org or call 800-488-1888. Please listen again, and don't forget your free download.